2: Hey everyone, welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us all over the place on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. You can also find us on Twitter now at at Common Good Talk. You can call us on your telephone. That's right, your smartphone also makes phone calls. (laughs) 312-660-2594 and wherever it is you get podcasts. If that is your jam, please like, subscribe, review, and maybe, just maybe, hit that little share button, send it to a loved one and say... Listen to these guys. Can you believe they're still on the air? That kind of comment really helps us out a whole lot. But maybe my favorite part of this show, to be honest, is having guests. We've had so many different, unique guests that uh, not only I think are incredibly talented, but bring a lot of insight to topics that Brian and I have sometimes not even thought about. And uh, I'm really, really excited to welcome to the studio for the very first time Aaron, and Jeremy. Welcome, gentlemen. (laughs) You both just applauded yourself. I I love that. No, what are you talking about? There's like
3: 100 people this room. This room is packed full of people right now. In front of our studio. (laughs) Live studio.
2: (laughs) Okay, so they are in a band called Graveyards to Gardens, and uh, their their involvement, I'll just be honest, I'm a big fan, not only of the two of you, but your music, and Judson Mm -hmm. University is also your alma mater, Mm -hmm. plays a big part in your life. So I'd love... First and foremost, just each of you to kind of introduce yourself to an audience that maybe doesn't know you or anything about you. Tell us about your music. Tell us about your heart. Uh, Anything that you'd like to share by way of introduction, go for it.
3: Um, Yeah, my name is Aaron Andries. As Ian said, uh, we're in Graveyard to Gardens. We both went to Judson University. That's where we met. Mm -hmm. Um, We're products of the DCWPA, which is the DeMoss Center for Worship and the Performing Arts. Uh, That's kind of where we first learned how to do what we do as a band, Um, but for me personally, been playing in bands my most of my whole life right Uh, i grew up in washington dc so moving to the midwest was like a a very new yeah it's not the same thing so no very different (laughs) (laughs) um but i loved it i loved um growing up in dc i'm still really close with a lot of my family out there um uh, First-gen American, my mom's Jamaican, my dad's Guyanese. Oh, wow. And, hmm. uh, so, like, right now, I been, haven't been have been home in a while, so I'm really missing some curry chicken. <laughs> yes, yes. And, like, some curry goat, oxtail and all <laughs> the stuff that weirds people out whenever I tell them what I like to eat.
2: Does deep-dish pizza help squelch no. that? <laughs> not
3: even close.
2: <laughs> they they, they you don't do that.
3: consider that pizza. I, I don't consider so. that pizza. I call it a pie. Yeah, it's Get more lasagna than pizza. Yeah, for You're sure.
1: <laughs> it's more lasagna. Now, do they have those things at uh, Portillo's, though? Is no. Deep dish? Curry chicken. They do? Oxt- no, I'm joking. If, oh. <laughs> that'd be a very dangerous thing <laughs> for me. If it was. Good job, Brian. Uh,
2: <laughs> starting to show off strong today. <laughs> <laughs> starting to show strong. To Brian has a tally mark behind him yes. he's like, nailed it. Nope. <laughs> that this
3: one. joke landed. Missed. This nope. joke landed. Uh, uh, I got to make a comeback. Here we go. Um, but yeah, Jeremy and I, we've been doing uh, ministry together for. Geez, what, six, seven years now?
4: Nice. Six oh, with, going on seven. G- going on mm-hmm. seven.
3: And um <laughs> it was it was just kinda cool. I remember the first time meeting Jay and we learned very quickly that we had history with each other even mm. before we knew yeah. each other. Mm. Wow. Yep. Um so it was very clear that God was doing something here with us and uh like even like thank you to you, Ian, like you're yep. one of the first people to really champion us and give us opportunities oh, to nice, succeed and to fail and <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> yep. uh just it, just kind of cut her teeth a little bit and so mm. it's it's been an incredible journey so far we've learned a ton over the years and yeah we love what we get to do
2: that's mm. awesome all right jeremy how would
4: you introduce yourself hey i'm jeremy
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, classic so, bass
4: player uh, yeah so ian even said it, i play bass in the band um, i am also the social media manager designer mm. like artist in residence for yep. everything so nice. video any content that you may find on social media platforms um, that's me yeah so i do anywhere or just for the band well
2: you know good good. you know that (laughs) golden
5: arch thing for mcdonald's
2: that's me uh (laughs) so you're the architect from truman shows what you're saying (laughs) it's all it's all you so there's a (laughs) (laughs) he set up the matrix i'm the key
1: maker i'm the key maker
2: maker. maker.
1: um
4: yeah so yeah like aaron said both of us went to judson Mm -hmm. um and we met my sophomore year. I think that was considered, like, what, your junior year because you transferred in? Well, There's since my like credits
3: that. didn't transfer over, it yeah. felt more like a freshman year. <laughs> <freshman. laughs> we'll discuss it. <laughs>
2: we just did, grind my, gears, we? <laughs> did grind my gears. Tackle another one. That's, um, that's
3: number three on the yeah, list <laughs>
4: for me. But we met um, in classes at first and then realized just through a lot of like mutual connections um, growing up, hmm. like the people that he grew up with in his church and the people that I grew up With in middle school and high school at the church I went to, Mm. everyone knew each other somehow. So like we were like, wait, you know this person? Oh, I know this. I've known this person for a decade. You know, uh, that's wild.
1: Yeah, and
3: I was in DC and he was in Wisconsin. So it it, doesn't really
1: make sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious where the band name comes from. I love it, Graveyards to Gardens. Where where did that come from? Romans 6. Ah, uh, Biblical. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, proud. <Brian. laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Anyone from your church listening is so proud. Like, okay, he knows like, like, oh, Romans. Oh, like, Do they have oh. good theology, too? There you go. Um, right, no. so I, yeah, unpack that a little bit. Romans yeah. 6, what, what, what does that say?
3: Um, that's just kind of like the, our mission statement. The mm-hmm. actual name itself was actually taken from a book that we didn't read when we were in
2: <laughs> college. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a Warren Anderson class, was it? No, no absolutely not. Yeah, no, no, no.
3: <laughs> I read everything Warren no. gave me, and that's the
2: truth good man um, good man
3: it's i believe the book was called shadow of the Galilean. Yep. oh i yep. read that book in yeah too, yeah yeah yep. we read it okay yeah oh, okay. <laughs> yep. and um i can't remember if it was you or somebody else that was in the group at that time there's a couple friends that started out with us who yeah. are just moved on to do different things and mm. um the name just kind of stuck out yeah and uh we toyed f- with the idea of potentially starting a band because um, at that point, there's a guy in the band. His name's Eli. We uh, we stayed in the dorm together, and we hmm. jam on guitars all the time. And. Uh, he played on a on-campus worship team called Upper Room. And yeah, so I've there. Room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gavin Buckland, he's a good friend. He was on that team too. And yeah. So we started toying with the idea of starting a band, and we weren't really sure yet. But Jeremy went ahead and just started like an official Facebook <laughs> page. I made, Facebook I made page. a Facebook
4: page. No, <laughs> no one, Here's the thing. I just, I just did it. No one gave me permission. I was just like, Oh, we're a band. We're, we're, we're a band. We're just a band. So we're it went together. from a casual conversation it went to like from hey, guys, a page.
1: to a hundred very like quickly. That. It's yeah. so yeah. awesome. It's like that Seinfeld episode where George just keeps
2: showing up at the. In the in his, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that kind of your MO, Jeremy, by the way? Like, I, I heard those. a whisper of a conversation. I've also built a website, <laughs> Yeah. Also, we have t shirts now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I drag yeah.
3: my feet very slowly. So we try to meet mm. somewhere in the middle works. Yeah. So
2: oh, interesting. Yeah. So your dynamic, even personality wise, is pretty different. It right? is. Yeah. What's that like in a band context yeah. when the two of you. Who are kind of like the anchor of the band, right? Yeah. And I know and care for both of you deeply. By the yeah. way, I'm so grateful you guys are doing this. Yeah, but absolutely. you are vastly different people, yeah. Yeah. and you bring different skill sets. Uh, we got you for the whole hour, but like, how would you how would you set
4: that up? Like, what is it like being in a band together, mm-hmm. being so vastly different? I would, I would say it's very much so like a, it's you know, there's different parts of the body that mm. you know help mm. make the body a whole, and mm. each Bible. one has its own. exactly, you know, and I think for me. Knowing my personality, I'm just like go 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 like get it done. I have an idea, I need to get it out. Like, yeah. there's a good side to that where it's like, I know for me, like if there's something that I know that is going to benefit us, I just get it done. Mm. But there's moments too where it's like I'm going 100 miles a minute, and Aaron has the decency to be like, slow down. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> inhale, you're die. Right, breathe. <laughs> you, know, like, breathe. Uh, yes. you know. Yeah,
3: and honestly, because of that different dynamic over the past six years, we really haven't faced much interpersonal controversy. No, no kidding. Other. No. It's pretty easy because you'll have an idea and I'll say, let's slow down and unpack this a little bit. And usually we get to a point where we just figure out, okay, I think this is how this should work for right, us. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And we're very open and transparent with each other and constant communication, yeah. scheming and planning. So yeah. as long as we know everything is on on the table, um, everything seems just to work out pretty okay for us.
2: Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, the two voices that you're hearing that maybe you don't recognize Are uh, two of the members of Graveyards to the Gardens. They're going to stick with us for the entire hour. A little bit later in the show, they're actually going to play some music for us live right here on the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. To The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Just Google it The Common Good <laughs> Radio Show. You'll find <laughs> us.
0: Yeah.
2: You don't need to hear it every single we don't have time. The whole like, <laughs> every every single. Especially when you hear it in podcast form. You're like, are they telling us again? <laughs> Maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Anyway, uh, we have in the studio. Two of my dear buddies, mm. who also happen to be in a wonderful band called Graveyards to Gardens. Mm. This is the most I've gotten it correct, by the way. The amount of times Thank I've you. said Gardens to Graveyards. You did it the other day. We were did I? Yes, you did. Well, a, thanks for throwing a me right under that bus.
3: A famous joke in our band. That someone called us the Tombstones once. I'm like, you didn't
2: <laughs> Delicious pizza. Great movie. For sure. But maybe not. Terrible band. Not Terrible band. <laughs> I actually think Ryan Gosling was in a band called the Tombstones. Well, is he doing music or is he acting? Well, I don't... Have you ever heard him play or sing? He's uh, In the Mickey Mouse uh, club, least. <laughs> <those. laughs> yeah. He's actually a pretty decent keys player, yeah. and he's got a real yeah. kind of spooky Count Dracula voice when he sings. It's very... Okay, I'm into it. But he's not on the show. Nope. You guys are. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit more about some of the dynamics of being in a band. Like, I was in bands in high school and college, but it was a whole different thing Trying to still do the band thing post college Mm. because you got. I mean, it's. I don't know what it is about that jump. It's. It seems to be where we lose a lot of people who are Mm. really talented, really committed to their craft. Mm. Then you graduate and you're like, I don't think. I don't think I have the. Can actually do this, right? How do you? Yeah, Yeah. what's it like post college to keep doing this? This band thing.
3: Mm. Um, Honestly, it's been an incredible creative outlet Mm. for us. Like we've been doing it for so long, but I think it's probably been one of the greatest sources of community. For us, which is yeah. really tough transitioning yeah. into solid community post-college. And, yeah, um, For me, once I finally graduated, like I was in like the church that I'm in now, so I found community there. And then we got really close um, as a band. Like the other guys that play with us are some of our dearest friends yeah. in the whole world. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. We were just at Judson today in the studio just talking over just life stuff. And we're pretty transparent and open with each other. And yeah. so some of the deepest stuff that we struggle with in our personal lives, we... Uh, discuss as a group, and naturally that just kind of comes through our creativity. Mm-hmm. So there's just a real safety within the relationships yeah. that we have with each other.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Wondering is, uh, I'm
1: wondering, as not being the non-musician in the room, I'm wondering, <laughs> like, is, has there been a moment for you guys where you're like, "Wow, I can't believe this happened!" Like, can you do have one moment where you were on stage Ooh. at a particular place, or is it when mm. your your album comes out and sure. you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Tell us about some mm. of those moments where it just kind of hits you. We're kind of living this.
3: Man. at least for me, it happens a lot. Does it really? Just like, just leaving home and just being here, I'm like, yeah. God, like, how am I here? Mm. Some of the rooms that the Lord has put us in. Um, Actually, just past Friday, we were playing at um, our alma mater, Justin University. There's going to be a lot of that,
1: so buckle up. <laughs> just, just, just get ready. This um, brought to you by Justin <laughs> University. Yeah. 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 Every now and then, I'm just going to say, yeah. meet in college, right? <laughs> just to get it in. <laughs> yeah,
2: we're we're going to bleep it out like <laughs> it's a swear word. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I used to go to... <laughs>
3: uh, we were leading worship, and... um there's just some, some guys in the front row that were just, like, right with us, engaged, you know, mm-hmm. hands up, yeah. eyes closed. And whatever, those sort of things happen. Because you never really know right. how things resonate yep. with people. Are yep. we leading well? Are these songs serving a purpose? Yeah. And um, just that physical representation is just always a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Do you have a, an idea? Yeah, of I, f- that I feel out? like it's interesting just because I look at everything... When it comes to like the band thing, hmm. very 10,000 feet. Because uh, the rest of my life, I'm so detail oriented. I think it's when I'm look, coming and like taking a step back and looking. It's just like the whole journey oh, right, has right. been impactful. <laughs> the whole journey itself has been the highlight of it. Oh, we and understand. it keeps going. Cool. Like you said, you're six,
2: yeah. almost seven years into this. Yeah. It probably feels like a blink almost. You're like, I remember yeah. when we started this thing. How, are, oh, we, how yeah. are we coming up on a decade of doing it? Yeah. Which is, I imagine, pretty wild. And one of the things, yeah. Jeremy, we had talked uh, before you guys came in about this topic of diversity, which mm-hmm. I would love to to learn from you guys in this regard because we talked first kind of about personality styles and differences yeah, sure. and then like continuing to do the band thing amidst, you know, trying to be a working An human and all, yeah, yeah, all,
1: yeah,
4: all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But why yeah. is that topic? Tell me a little bit more about why that topic is, is near and dear to the two of you guys. I think the biggest thing is for those that aren't in here and can't see us, like I'm, I'm Asian-American, uh-huh. Aaron is African-American, like, right. and especially in... The world of christian music like there's not a lot of diversity yeah mm. i'm just calling a spade a spade there right you know it's just like we're there's not a lot of representation and that's not that anyone's fault or anything like that but like you you don't see many people like mm. us mm. making music interesting for the greater church in the not outside of you know worship music because mm. there are people in the worship world that do that oh, that look interesting. Like right but you look at modern, you know, what you might hear on the radio or other sources, and it's like, no, that doesn't exist. No kidding. So there's th- that's kind of a little bit of, like, the, the passion behind it. Mm.
3: Yeah. yeah, and, like, especially in our culture today, the idea of representation is so important and huge. And I think a lot of why we made the decisions that we've made as a band is um, because we don't really see ourselves represented in the industry, hmm. um, I love gospel music, but I'm also not a gospel yeah. musician. I'm mm. not nearly as talented of a musician to play that. <laughs> no. uh, you are. You are. Um, but even then, that's still like that's not our band. We're, we're a unit, and mm. uh, we like to create the music that we want to create. And so it, it's kind of disheartening sometimes looking out. I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't think we fit in this world. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. But it's been redeeming in a lot of ways because I think when a lot of the distractions are out of the way for us, it's been like, God saying, like, I really want to create this ministry the way mm. I want it to look like. Yeah. yeah, and so we've kind of given him control of what this looked like, and it's taken honestly a lot of tough but blind faith. Mm. Yeah, um, but we've always been blessed with every step that we've taken as a group. That's awesome, and we don't regret anything yeah. that we've decided to do.
1: Yeah, you use the word. I'm, talk to me more about how that can be discouraging that you don't see people mm. like you doing what you're doing, and sure. uh, and does that feel like a burden to you, like almost?
4: Not to overspeak it, but kind of blazing a
1: trail here a little bit, and you feel a little bit of burden.
4: I definitely, yeah, I think both those words—the blazing the trail thing and the burden thing—because we don't have anyone to look up to. Mm. But at the same time, in in the other hand, it's Mm. like we want to be people that can be looked up to, absolutely, and not in some sort of idolatrous kind of way. But like, just like I want to be an example of like this is Jesus working through me Mm. in doing this ministry, and by me having. Being blessed to have a platform, mm. someone that looks like me can look and be like, it's possible for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think at one point we would have, at least for me personally, would have considered it to be a burden because we just didn't see it. Yeah. But once we kind of got past that, there's it's like a sense of freedom. Hmm. Like and there's a lot of ways where we don't have to play ball or play a certain game right. for a certain means to an end. Yeah,
2: like we've already broken the mold, anyways. So we might as <laughs> yeah. well right, for sure. <laughs> might as well just keep doing it the way that we want to do it. Yeah. Right.
3: right. And like even for me, like I think about it, just from in high school, the idea of a black guy playing guitar was ridiculous. Really? Yeah. For growing up, for one reason or another, that's what it was. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, it was Jimi Hendrix, this BB King, this buddy, say, guy. a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot that come yeah. to mind. But um, yeah. and so even before like all this in high school, I was very self conscious. I didn't tell anyone I played guitar. No kidding. I was like, yeah, I played drums. and I like playing go go bands, <laughs> and go go's a genre of music in the DC area, um, <laughs> and so that was my way of trying to exist as a cool musician wow. with my peers in high school. Um, but just through a lot of growth and just maturing, I'm like, no, I, I love guitar. I turn it up really loud. Wow. And there's a freedom in the fact that we just kind of do our own thing and we just, just do love it. doing it.
2: The thing that I find so ironic about that, just as a white guy, the opposite <laughs> tend to be is true. Like mm. I, A lot of people would say they play guitar even if they didn't like it's, sure. it was yeah. like yeah. such a popular church camp youth group thing. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. I yeah. totally play guitar. Like, oh, I play Free something. Bird. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> A lot of Dave Matthews band, unfortunately. But uh, like I imagine I want to get into that a little bit coming up mm-hmm. next, because mm-hmm. I think the, even just your own journey of creation and collaboration, and then even some of the perception, hmm. I think sometimes the sentiment is, Oh, you're writing music. For the church, or maybe you 're not writing music for the church, but there 's already so many expectations there you add on mm-hmm. to like you 're saying some of the diversity just of what the judgments people are make they 're making on you based on how you look, yeah. mm-hmm. you add that all to the mix. I imagine what you end up creating i don 't know I think has potential to be so beautiful and mm-hmm. so impactful because it 's so unique. And so present, and I think such a necessary conversation to have right now. So we're going to unpack all of that coming up next, but we're also going to hear some original tunes live right here in the studio with Graveyards to Gardens coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with the right reverend. Doctor Admiral Brian Fromm. None of those. None of those? Well, oh, you're of an Admiral? Those. I mean, you Admiral? I mean you are. You I am are none of those, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, just keep going with them. I was gonna but, say yeah. your words of affirmation guide to turn down accolades. Like, true seems... affirmation, though. Oh, they have to be true <laughs> okay, for them yeah. to matter? Yes. If nah. someone if someone said to you, Brian Fromm, you are so great at basketball, you wouldn't you wouldn't still take that like as a compliment? It's true though.
5: Ah! I, mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I just teed that one up uh, for yeah. you. Whack it. <laughs> Well, I'm going to move on from that as fast as I possibly can. Okay, I know so what those, you're doing there. those yes. other uproarious laughters come from my good buddies from uh, Graveyards to Gardens. And you had a record come out in 2018 called Home. Yeah. And then a single called Where I Belong. And I'm wondering this is what I love about like in studio musical guests, just because we get some backstory behind the song and the mm-hmm. album. Can you kind of just let us in on a little bit of the process and what it's all about? Yeah, the energy for um, this
3: album started with this song. We wrote it probably three years before we had the idea for this album. Um, but that I, I mentioned earlier, I grew up in in DC and there was a period of there where I really struggled just being far away from home. Mm. And so we're like, let's do a whole album talking about the different ways we find home, whether it's a physical space Mm. we grew up in, family relationships, most Mm. importantly, our relationship with Jesus. And, um, so we did that. We came up with some seven songs that we love a ton and where I belong is one of those songs.
2: Is that the song that you're going to play for us now then? Yeah. And is that song fits in then with this theme of finding yeah. home? and
3: Even the name home, I didn't realize this until we're playing it on tour this summer, that the na- the word home is in this song.
2: Uh, oh, so no kidding. it
3: just kind of f- f- flew out of that, and there's a couple other songs that has that too. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we we're, were on the right track.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, we're going to hear then an original song right here, live in the studio from Graveyards, the Gardens. So you guys take it away.
5: so far from the place that I used to call home This unfamiliar sickness I feel it aching my bones A different situation from the one that I knew so well If I hadn't seen your goodness, I would have lost myself. I would have lost heart if it wasn't for you. So I put my hope in you. I put my trust. where I belong It hasn't been easy to walk the path that's unknown But the comfort in the journey is knowing I'm never alone My father's hand Staying close to His side It's His love That lifts me His mercy that keeps me Alive So I put my hope In you I put my trust Lost heart if it wasn't for you. I would have lost heart if it wasn't for you. Oh, I put my hope in you, I put my trust in you. Your grace. Be in love, where you are, Lord, that is where I belong. Whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa. 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 That's outstanding. Awesome, thank you. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Graveyards to Gardens. I'm curious, guys how does the uh, how does the songwriting process even work? <laughs> Is it one of you? Is it a collaborative thing? How does that even work? Yeah, um,
3: a lot of the writing generally starts with me. Okay. Um, so it's a little different every time. Uh, so we we do some co-writing with some really close friends, um, mostly because we. They know our stories really well. Mm. So there's a comfort when we can yeah, write yeah. They know our stories. Uh um, but a lot of songs just happen just by myself laying on the basement floor, yep. wrestling through some stuff and fighting to get a good song and I, I love that wrestle. Just yeah. fighting for, for a great lyric and um but it's it's different every time either you know, sometimes it starts with the piano, a guitar. Um I'm very adamant about writing down phrases or voice memoing, like melody ideas just and,
2: always gathering that it's right. just always radars are always up yeah right
3: and i i learned from somebody a long time ago uh, the best inspiration you can do is to collect it and just kind of take it off the shelf hmm. dust it off and like oh, okay i think i think we should write this song right
2: now oh, right on
3: and so i have like a collection of things where i'm ready to write i'm like yeah, but I think I can do this one today. Yeah.
2: Like an idea or a turn of yeah. phrase, or uh, and you just kind of craft it from there.
3: Right, and so like, it's a lot of the ideas, even for this album, a lot of those ideas were like three, four years old, even before we oh, even well. got into the got studio
2: it. to record the record. So how, how important is it? You mentioned this. I've never heard anybody say it this way when it comes mm-hmm. to writing. How important is it to write with people that know your story? Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, for us, it's critical. I think there's really? a lot of writers that do it really well. They can just enter into a session. Have a, some coffee and your a conversation and crank out a hit. Um, yeah. And that was something I had to learn for myself as a songwriter. I was really insecure about that. I'm like, I'm just not that guy. I think I'm okay with that now. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. no kidding. Um,
3: but yeah, writing with friends, people that know your story, people that you can relate with, you can be open and vulnerable with. Yeah. And I think when you start there, it shows up in the writing every yeah. time. time.
2: And, and Jeremy, so you're a part of this creative yeah. process, but a lot of the songwriting begins with Aaron. How's yeah. that like just entering into, knowing that you have all these other kind of creative other random things it's, right
4: it, yeah i i honestly don't pick myself as much of a lyricist thing but like mm. the story thing though yeah it's huge for me with all the other art that comes alongside everything yeah. else so yeah. like being able to sit in and at least just hear yes and see what we're going to be making you know that jolts me with a lot of ideas and goes like okay well we could do this and this and this and this and you know how do we authentically tell the story which you're exceptional, by the way. I Thank can say you. that with confidence. And
2: I think that's what makes you such a great pair is like what you just said. I know lyrics isn't my thing, but you're great at like, right. oh, this isn't our story. Or this doesn't fit for, for who we actually are. Absolutely. And for you guys yeah. to have that kind of collaborative balance yeah. is super important. Also really super rare. So yeah. hopefully... I'm sure it's clear by now Why yeah. we're so excited to have you guys in the studio Absolutely. And you're going to stick with us for one more segment We're going to hear a little bit more about your story Hear one more uh, original song mm-hmm. That is Graveyards to Gardens Right here in the Common Good on AM 1160 Hope for your life Hey everyone, welcome back to the Common Good My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, The interwebs, not Instagram. Don't even go there. No. I wonder if there is a common good on Instagram. It's yeah, not go us. ahead and visit them. Just go and tell them. Tell them we sent Ta- you. Taunt them. So they will give you know. a discount on their Instagram page. Yeah, <laughs> taunt, go taunt, 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 taunt them. them. Just yeah, just comments. You're not brought any <laughs> in. People are like, How what? you? What is this? This is a pottery page. Why are they so angry? So we have uh, Aaron and Jeremy in the studio from Graveyards to Gardens. Just cards on the table. Two dudes I really like and appreciate. A band I really like and appreciate from an alma mater, Judson University. I really oh, appreciate Judson so much. Uh,
4: you
2: know, when I was in college, we covered Plus. that song and did a uh, like a gutter punk version of it oh, you have be- to there's no other version to do with cover <laughs> um, how, how can we okay next record Jeremy we're gonna, right, you deal. really should we, d- we did a battle of the bands actually and we had a, <laughs> one of the uh, choir students come and lead it normally for the first 30 seconds <laughs> oh, and then we all, all right. came out and then I slammed into like a speed metal version of Oh Judson. Now We Hailed uh, it. amazing no it was not it was, oh, it <laughs> was not <laughs> it's really really bad uh, okay uh, I mentioned it though before I forget uh, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you guys yep. uh, if they're looking yep. to get a record or to book you or to ask questions mm-hmm. or whatever it is you're open to. We just let our audience know how they can find you guys. If you'd like to stalk us
4: yeah. <laughs> 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 on Instagram, great, at graveyards to gardens. Okay. Same thing for Facebook, graveyards to gardens. Um, email is graveyards to gardens at gmail.com. Whoa. And then for Twitter, it's G number two G music on Twitter. G 2 G, it's kind of like out. a little yeah.
3: nickname we have yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. Do you have a G to G hat? You guys got we swag, we right? Do. We sold, we sold out, yeah. but we're, Gosh, we're gotta it. bring them back. This, they, everyone keeps asking when they coming back. They're coming back. Just, just hold your horses. Did Don't, you
2: design the swag, by the way, Jeremy? Yes. You Remember did? The you man, oh man, he yeah. the songs, he does the swag. The swag looks great, though. The cover art looks great. You guys yeah. have such a good social media presence, and you're just great dudes. So also I, I hope that people hear that.
3: messages from ravens, if you like to that, <laughs> that
2: way. <laughs> yeah. Ravens, pigeons, other flying... We Send have turkey dumps. vultures that hang out outside the no, studio that doom. terrify oh, well. me. I I would love for you guys, just uh before you sing this last song, um, what encouragement would you give to people who are maybe... Maybe they're where you were at six or seven years ago, and they're like, ah, I, I want to invest time in this. I want to kind of go after this dream, but I just don't know how. I don't know how to kind of keep the fire yeah. alive. Mm. What encouragement would you give to people?
3: Um, yeah, I, I say this a lot, actually. Um, with We're fortunate enough to even though we've graduated from Judson, we still have great relationships there with faculty, staff, and students. And yeah. one, one of the things I like to tell students all the time, um, there's a seat at the table for you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for a very long time, we didn't know if we had a seat at the table or mm-hmm. what the table even was mm-hmm. or anything like that um the, the truth is the gifts that god has given you he's given you for a purpose and the dreams that he's given you is there for a reason as well mm-hmm. if you're having these songs and these gifts to play instruments uh, i think you owe it to yourself and i think you owe it to the world mm-hmm. uh to use it uh, it doesn't mean you're going to be as big as for king and country sometimes maybe yeah, right, baby. right, right. Um, we're not a huge band, but we're very faithful for what God's given us. We try to steward that well. Hmm. So don't be discouraged by w- whatever your platform is. Yeah, Use awesome. that incredibly well.
2: Yeah. Okay. So this, uh, this next song is called precious moments before you sing it though. Can you give us the quick story behind it? You said that it, it actually started off as a joke.
3: Is that yeah, right? So like in the first couple of years, as the band. We, uh, there's a friend of ours from Judson. His name is Andrew moment. And like in rehearsals, we just,
4: Oh, that's a, that's a precious we'd, we'd, moment. We'd oh. sing this chorus, oh. and we call it
3: Precious Moment. And uh, it kind of hit me one day. It's like, oh, this might actually be a cool song. And uh, so, yeah, four years later, it was like, okay, let's write this and record it. And it just kind of really fit with the theme for the record. Um, we we try to take you into just some of the rooms that I grew up in as a kid. Mm. Uh, very intimate moments that I've had with like family and friends over the years. And, um, yeah, Precious Moments.
5: The prayers my parents would say at night. The truth in their words has stayed with me all my life. I close my eyes, I go back in time. Those precious moments, those precious moments, those precious moments, those precious moments. those I love the hours together no they never were enough Mm, I hold those days close but all we had was us those precious moments those precious moments, those precious moments, those precious moments.
1: And that is outstanding. You're listening to Graveyards to Gardens. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you. And, uh... You know, getting to know you and
2: sit here with you and then to hear a song, it's just got a depth to it yes. that just gets added. Really, thank you for doing that. And just personally, anecdotally, I'm super grateful for you guys. Yeah. I think the world is a better place with the two of you in it. <laughs> okay. Please, please, please keep writing music. Please keep pouring into young leaders and please come back. Absolutely. Uh, that is Aaron so and Jeremy from Graveyards to Gardens. Woo! Please go. Bye. self applause <laughs> on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that. no. It's a crowd. Yeah. It's a crowd. So, it's we like 300 people here. We do that when we end our show every day. Just That's true. We made it. (laughs) But for real, go and buy everything they've ever done or will ever do. Can't encourage you enough. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here, and after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of peaked with regards to what kind of organization this was, and it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking, and so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously, and that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. was just their heart to give back to partner with pastors and churches to help people, uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common,
1: our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles, Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us today. As always, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we appreciate it if you do that. Well, Christmas is kind of coming i told you before <laughs> that uh that it was interesting this weekend there were people in my neighborhood uh taking advantage of a little bit of the warmer weather to set up their christmas lights but i walked by them like i never even thought about doing that today and then i don't know how did you feel today I don't, obviously you noticed coming in from the parking garage here towards mm-hmm. the elevators mm-hmm. and we were greeted with uh here at the studio uh the, downstairs at the office building the big christmas tree was up All the wreaths were up. Christmas had
2: exploded downstairs. It looked pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. nice. Because this is our first Christmas here. It is. So I walked in and I was like, well, this is pretty lovely. I was surprised by my reaction. Well, you were. Okay. Because you're usually a let's hold off on Christmas till Thanksgiving guy. I am. Okay. See, I feel like this is going to be... I am too. Oh, you are? You. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is why I didn't set up my Christmas lights this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe one of many reasons, yes. <laughs> but yeah, Thanksgiving, I think it it does frustrate me, though, because I think, and Christmas obviously means a whole lot more than this, but it's usually marked by a lot of gift giving, a lot of lists, and we jump right over Thanksgiving, yes. which is the holiday designed for us to appreciate what we have, and that's... And, you know, and a lot of the uh, what this article is going to call the Christmas creep is driven by retailers, yes. right? It's, you know, the, the heartbeat behind it is consumerism, yeah. which is part of my angst, I think.
1: So, if, you know, if you watch TV at all, the Christmas commercials have already begun, oh, which feels really early. As a side note, my kids and I've begun really laughing at these types of commercials. But when did the go to Christmas commercial become husband and wife give each other cars?
2: Do you know anyone who's been surprised by a car on Christmas morning? I just saw one, yeah, a friend of mine. Really? Yeah, it wasn't a Christmas thing, but okay. like bow on the hood and really? she walked out. I don't out. know anybody. I don't think I did before this. <laughs> and and now that you realize it,
1: you, you start to realize how many Christmas commercials on TV are like, Oh, yeah. I got my wife a
2: car. Right. We got each other cars. Look at these cars for Christmas. Which maybe I'm too much of a Scrooge or a pragmatist, but I'm like, Shouldn't you guys talk about this first? <laughs> really, I bought you a $40,000 car. Like, I feel like there should at least be a conversation before this shows up in the driveway. <laughs> Can I? <do> you, <laughs> that'd be did my you, reaction. Do you have a gift receipt for that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> nope, it's ours, baby. Okay, no, well, have to receive. Merry Christmas. Yeah, those.
1: that's an aside. But the article you referenced <laughs> before at CBS News says this. Christmas music may take a mental toll, psychologist says. It says some people excitedly throw on Christmas music the minute the temperature drops. Others have a hard rule. Wait until after Thanksgiving to start playing Christmas tunes. Amen. And some people just cannot stand Christmas music, especially if played too early into the holiday season. Well, okay. That seems harsh. Yeah. What's Ooh, happening? What's going on? Oh I gosh. Hear it. Is that over the air, or is that just in my head? <laughs> What's
2: in your head, Brian? Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go on to say, for those who would rather do without Jingle Bells, let's say, psychologist in Great Britain. It's always Great Britain. putting Put course. a blanket on things. Never an average Britain. Big <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so stupid. I'm sorry. Can we also say, no, we're, we're the king of tangents right now? Yeah, we're somebody not doing to, well. Somebody at the lift Conference referred to us as the laughing pastors
2: the other day. I, and then I laughed and she's like, I know that laugh. Uh, I felt so good about that. I don't think I've gotten a better compliment than you guys are the laughing
1: pastors. I'll take it. Uh, clinical psychologist Linda Blair says, listening to Christmas music too early into the holiday season may affect mental health by triggering feelings of stress hmm. hearing a christmas song can spark thoughts of all the things you have to do before the holiday like shopping party planning and traveling as the clock ticks down to december 25th you may feel overwhelmed by your to-do list and being constantly reminded by the sign of slate uh, the sound of sleigh bells ringing does not help blair says uh what do you think about that let's just stop there that it gets a lot into what you were saying, that we associate with Christmas a, a huge to-do list and a great ball of stress. Because uh-huh. she's not saying Christmas music does it to us. She's saying Christmas music uh, lights up in our brain something that says uh Oh, stressful time of the year is coming. I got to get all this stuff done. Stressful time of the year is coming, and she's saying now we're just doing that earlier, so we're we're bringing on that stress.
2: Yeah, earlier. but to play devil's advocate, that's not the music's fault. If you have a negative association with the season, then that's probably going to do that. And if you have a positive association with the season, I think it would have the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. We we all know we've talked about this before on the show multiple times. Music is highly connected to memory, and we've seen that in clinical study after clinical study and i think this makes sense that we would have some sort of pavlonian response yeah. to oh i know but like you know i don't know if you guys host people or not we don't have a lot of hosting responsibilities yet. yet for us so it's always like going somewhere and there is a, a stress for me in the gift giving i, I want to do really well in yeah. that and i rarely do to be honest so there is certainly some triggering there but i think i don't know it, to me it, it it's less about like whether or not we're stressed by it and more about keeping it in its proper place. Yeah. It's, it's about the thing that we skip over. And I think, it goes on to say people who work at malls actually face a higher risk of Christmas music induced stress. Hearing the same song over and over again could make workers struggle to tune it out and they become unable to focus on anything. Uh, you're simply spending all your energy trying to not hear what you're hearing. In what is known as the Christmas creep, it seemed like the holiday season starts earlier and earlier at U.S. retailers. Some stores even start putting out their Christmas decorations and playing holiday music in October. So there is to me, it's more about... It's more about the chronology of when it's being played and less about what it, because I I mean, honestly, and I don't know if you know much about um, the blue Christmas movement. I do not. I actually saw that reference the other day and I thought to myself, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's it's an intentional effort, um, mainly by churches to be more mindful of how uh, heartbreaking the holiday season can be for people, especially Mm. those who have lost loved ones, because in a much more intense way the season is this like visceral reminder that someone's not there, you know, because it's about family together. And so I I think that's a whole other kind of tier and category of like, how do we better come alongside people that the moment they start hearing this music, they're reminded that they lost a spouse or a kid or whatever that is. Um, And again, I know I realize it's not the responsibility of the entire culture, but there, there are associations with these things. And I think uh, it's worth thinking that through, but I, you know, you and I probably both just get, labeled scrooges you know that's (laughs) kind of that. i do too that's the thing i'm pro christmas same uh
1: pastorally or just as somebody who doesn't want to be completely stressed out what is one or two pieces of advice you'd give to people because i think what this article is really getting at is uh our culture uh causes christmas to be a really stressful time yeah family presents, to-do lists all this stuff and it's the music just kind of gets you into that a little bit. It's not like you said, it's nothing about the music. But if we're going to swim a little counterculturally here, how can we... Uh, not succumb to Christmas just at getting to the end of Christmas and just being like, Oh glad that's over and yeah. and
2: feeling just totally drained. I if I could make one recommendation, yeah, it's to go do. to AdventConspiracy.org. Have you guys done Advent Conspiracy? No, I've heard about it. Oh, it is phenomenal. And it's it's you know, there's if you're a pastor or if you're a part of a church, there's like sermon materials and there's videos and there's websites, but it's sort of a it's a four week um Idea and the categories are worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. And then it gives really practical tools and resources and it gives a lot of stats about waste and how much we spend globally. Like it's a pretty sobering, if you spend 20 minutes on this website, you'll at the the very least be intrigued if not convicted. Um, But the nice thing is it points you to people that are doing stuff holistically or fair trade or um, even ideas. You know, I've heard people say, Oh, I always give our kids something to wear, something to read and something to experience. Yes. Like that's their rubric. And I think a lot of people got some of those ideas from websites like this, um, But it does a good job, though, because, you know, we talked about this a a good deal. You know, Christmas doesn't start in October, but it also doesn't end on December 25th. And that's what I, oh, what's going on over there? I (laughs) just put that Advent Conspiracy (laughs) on Cape Christmas Carol. Sorry. That's the second uh, music piece that we've had. Did you see me like jump up? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's, I would would encourage people to visit adventconspiracy.com right now. It looks fascinating. It's really good. And you get good Christmas
1: music when you turn it on, apparently. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's funny adventconspiracy.org I would I think you you bring up a great point of uh, let's just not succumb to all of the crazy stress and pressures of Christmas that feels backwards to what it's supposed to be and so be thinking about it now and then you can enjoy the Christmas music even (laughs) when it's played early Well, well you're listening to the common good on am 1160 hope
2: for your life Hey everyone, welcome back to the common good. And you know what? I take back what I said about Monday. It's not bad. No, not a bad Monday. It's a decent it's a fine it's a B minus Monday. Okay. And I just <laughs> Not that y'all asked for it, but there's there's my grade on the Monday yeah. so far. It might change. Who knows? Okay. You, I'm good with the B. You accept the B. <laughs> I do. I a little overcast today makes it a Monday of Monday. I like, would love uh, if you like highly contested the B. Minus. You're like, like I need
1: not. a I need a four zero Monday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, wow, Brian really cares about Mondays I care about a about lot. Mondays. All right, you can find us all over the place eleven sixty hopecom slash the common good or on Facebook Common Good Radio Show. And uh, here's a story that I saw. I was telling you before we actually came back that um, the moment that I saw the photo associated with this story, I knew it was Dearborn, Michigan, mm. which is. So strange. Dearborn, Michigan, which is where I'm from, it's the uh, closest suburb west of Detroit. Um, that's where most of my family still resides in Dearborn or that area. And the headline says, evangelicals who distrust Muslims likely don't know Muslims. Mm-hmm. And so and uh, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later in the segment here because that's actually a sentiment that I – believe uh very passionately about and it's something that i have all sorts of personal stories and experiences having lived in dearborn during 9-11 and having seen some Mm. stuff uh having friends who have been on the receiving end of a lot of islamophobia and it's just it's been a topic that's been close to my heart for a long time but let me just read some of it and then we actually have uh some suggestions for how to actually deal with this because i imagine i don't i don't want to presume somebody heard that headline and is already like their blood pressure is rising. It is. And that's one, re- when I've heard before you read it a
1: little bit, I, that's what impresses me that Christianity today ran this article. Like, yeah, right. That it's not like, you know, you and, I, you and I didn't get this out of muslim.com or whatever. Right. Like is, this is that uh, a website. No, <laughs> it could be. I mean, it probably but is Christianity today
2: is going, Hey, we need to do better at this. Yeah. And we're writing this article. I think that's impressive. All right. So it begins and it says a home in Dearborn, Michigan celebrates Ramadan earlier this week, a Baptist church in Michigan cancels, Uh, canceled an event titled uh, 9-11 Forgotten is Michigan surrendering to Islam due to pushback from fellow Christians and politicians. The pastor of Bloomfield Hills Baptist Church identifies as and Islamophobe and organized the gathering because he sees Islam as a growing threat in the U.S. The Washington Post reported. Can we just pause for a second? Yes. I didn't know that people actually self-identify as an a lot as like an Islamophobe. Like oh yeah, a- no, it's the same as like a I'm um, claustrophobic. It's okay. the, it's the same level of for for some people it's as benign as any other phobia. I am just Islamophobic. Oh, that's interesting. While some white evangelicals research has shown that those who know Muslims in their communities tend to hold more positive views and are more likely to see uh, commonalities between their two faiths, the personal relationship with Muslims, that's a game changer. Todd Green, Luther College professor and former Islamophobia advisor to the U.S. State Department, told The Post, it tends to make you less Islamophobic. Yet... Surveys from various sources have noted the friendship gap between evangelicals and their Muslim neighbors. More than a third, 35% of white evangelicals, knew. A Muslim personally in, in a 2017 Pew Research Center release, fewer than any other religious group and evangelical surveyed rated Muslims more negatively than any other faith. So the Southern Baptist affiliated LifeWay research found in 2017 that 17% of those with evangelical beliefs reported having a Muslim friend, while the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding reported this year that only 22% of ev- evangelicals say they interacted frequently with Muslims. So this uh, this organization led by a rabbi seeking to improve Muslim-Jewish relations also noted that one in three evangelicals with frequent interaction with Muslims viewed Islam as similar to their own faith compared to one in four evangelicals overall. So it goes on to kind of explain a little bit of why that's an issue. And it says, here are five takeaways for evangelicals from one of the leading indicators of Muslim community sentiment in America. And I think these are actually really helpful, whether you agree or disagree. We want to share them quickly as yeah. a, at least a jumping off point. To, to hopefully better improve in this area. So why don't you kick us off with number one?
1: Yeah, I think these are really important. He said the five takeaways from here. One, uh, white evangelicals lag behind in knowing and befriending Muslims while Jews excel. Hmm. When asked, do you know a Muslim personally? And this was touched on before, 35% of evangelicals and 44% of Prov- Protestants said yes. Uh, more than half of the general public responded in the affirmative uh, only 9% of white evangelicals said they knew a Muslim close enough to call for help. Hmm. Protestants were slightly higher at 45%. So again, it's this, uh, this when we create distance between ourselves and the other, right? Yeah. We'll put it that way. Uh, then you start to have a lot more fear or dis- mistrust or things. And I think that survey shows that. Which, before we move on,
2: Protestants were slightly higher at 15%, not 45%. Not Oh, okay. Uh, Number two, most Muslims have favorable or neutral views of evangelical Christians, but the feeling isn't mutual. While a half of Muslims reported no opinion when asked about evangelical Christians, a third had a favorable opinion and only 14% unfavorable. Meanwhile, just 20% of white evangelicals indicated they had a favorable opinion of Muslims, with 44% unfavorable. White evangelicals also scored the highest and Jews the lowest On the National Islamophobia Index created by ISPU in partnership with Georgetown University's The Bridge Initiative. Only 21% of the general public has favorable views of Muslims. When measuring favorability of those who know a Muslim, however, the rating jumps to 47% and increases again to 57% if that Muslim is considered a good friend. Mm. Number three, white
1: evangelicals and Muslims in the survey rank highest for piety. Uh, White evangelicals and Muslims were the most devoted to their faith when asked about personal religious beliefs and practices in the ISPU survey. They are far more likely than others to consider their religion important to daily life. Uh, 82% of the evangelicals, 71% of the Muslims said so. Protestants reported a 61% positive response. Catholics and Jews were
2: both at 35%. So this kind of linking of piety is interesting. Right. Number four. Muslims report more religious discrimination, but evangelicals are more likely to say something about it. That's interesting. A majority of Muslims say they experience discrimination, 62 percent compared to 43 percent of Jews, 37 percent of white evangelicals and 27 percent of uh, each Catholic and Protestants. Muslims are also twice as likely as any other faith to say they experience discrimination on a regular basis. Though they experience different levels of discrimination, Muslims and evangelicals are about as likely to identify with those in their faith who suffer discrimination. 55% of Muslims and 57% of white evangelicals expressed experiencing this, quote, linked faith. White evangelicals speak out the most about the discrimination they experienced, though. Asked if they would take unpopular stance to defend their faith, 78% said yes. Jews rank second at 72%, Protestants third at 64%. Muslims only slightly outright Catholics at 56% and 54% respectively. Yeah, and there was a great article, I think we discussed it
1: a week or two ago, uh, that said that this is a great common ground for evangelicals and Muslims yes. is this kind of we're both facing you know, a little more pushback in our culture and that, that there could be some great grounds made uh, by linking arms. Number five, white evangelicals want religious law more than Muslims. ISPU asked respondents if their religion should be the main source or a source or not a source of U.S. law. Mm-hmm. Despite some Americans' fears over Sharia law, half of Muslims, 51%, said not at all, uh, while white evangelicals, was 27%, uh, said the same. Uh, most evangelicals said the 54 percent said they wanted their religion to be a source uh, of U.S. law. So I think what this survey really shows in its totality hmm. is just a lot of misperceptions. Uh, and uh, the sad thing is, I think it's a it's a principle that's important about just not knowing the people that you speak out against or or that you have fear of or whatever else. Right? You could you could oh, probably do this same survey about racism yeah. right? or about Uh, poverty or about other things and there is just such an important point here about actually getting to know
2: people outside of your bubble outside of your tribe well here's how it ends the uh, according to the authors of this report says our data suggests that islamophobia is more politically driven than religious in nature simply knowing a muslim still cuts one's likelihood of negative perceptions in half in half Mm. i think that's so important Uh, create opportunities for face-to-face human interaction between people of different religions and cultural backgrounds while cooperating for the greater good. That obviously is a charge that I'm in favor of. And I think it's easier said than done, but it's worth actually doing. If this, if this is actually as big an issue as this report is saying, and based on my experience in Dearborn, my gut says it is, Mm. uh, this is worth, I think, and you and I have talked about even being, you know, quote professional Christians. Sometimes it can be really easy to just simply swim in a stream that's familiar to us And I think that's a really, really important charge to to do the hard work of actually looking a little bit outside your bubble and hopefully that actually can, you know, contribute to making this a better world. You've been listening to The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
1: Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Normally alongside Ian Simpkins, but I'm flying solo today. My name is Brian Fromm. We're glad uh, to have you join us today. Ian will be back with us tomorrow, uh, so you can tune in and listen to us both tomorrow. Uh, really excited to be joined on the phone right now by Dave Donaldson. Dave uh, is, uh helped compile a resource called CityServe, your guide to church-based compassion. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: My pleasure, Brian.
1: Absolutely, we were talking off air. Dave is in the Bay Area or in uh, California. It sounds much nicer than what we've got it here, but we won't hold that against you.
0: Uh, we are very spoiled, very... and we're spoiled with our football team right now too—the Niners. That is absolutely
1: true. You guys are living well right <laughs> now for sure. Um, talk to us a little bit about CityServe. What is the what was what is the hope behind it? What is this resource uh, that I'm guessing is particularly for churches?
0: Yes, uh, 40 different experts in church-based compassion, and we've got government leaders, obviously pastors, nonprofit leaders, and, and experts that help both pastors and lay people on how to develop their strategy to address the brokenness in their communities, and as a result, to grow both spiritually and numerically.
1: And so, this concept of compassion, this idea of compassion—I um, was reading in your bio—it it comes from a real place of uh, it deep. Uh, it's deeply held within you. Tell us a little bit of your story and how that's driven uh, what you're even doing now.
0: When I was nine years of age, my parents were pastoring, not not too far from where I'm standing right now. And one evening, as they were driving. Uh, to a board meeting, a drunk driver slid across the divide and hit their car mm. head on. Uh, our dad was killed instantly. Uh, our mother survived, but they literally had to pin her body back together again to survive. And And Brian, I remember going to visit her at the hospital with my brothers, and we peered through the glass into... Her room, and she was so beaten up and broken. And we didn't even recognize her. Oh my goodness! And so there we were, three young boys, and then a younger sister, and wondering what's going to happen next. Mm. You know, where are we going to get food, clothing, and and who would possibly take in four young children? Uh, but this community, this here in the Bay Area, uh, they responded uh, to our cries and our needs very tangibly. And brought us hot meals almost every night for six mm. months. Wow! And then this family, the Davises, uh, that didn't have you know a big bank account, they didn't have a big home. They lived in a single wide trailer, and they invited us into their home. And I recall that day when we walked up to the front door of this trailer, and I was scared and. And I wondered, would this just be another stop along the way? Would yeah. they really want us and keep us? And we shuffled inside, and Bill Davis said this. He said, you are with family, and this is your home. Wow! And that, that four-letter word, uh, Brian, it, it was life-changing because yeah. it meant the Davises were not only willing to share their space, but they were willing to share in our pain, our sorrow, and even our anger you know, towards God. And, and as you know, that's compassion. Yeah. It literally means to suffer with.
1: Mm. Thank you for sharing that story. I really appreciate that. Uh, As we think about the church um, you know, the church in our culture is often from people who aren't a part of the church seen as judgmental. It's just about what are we against? And we live in this kind of culture with lots of people being angry and the church is seen as part of the problem. If churches were to embrace this idea of compassion and influence within their their communities, what difference do you think that would make in within our culture and how the culture views the church?
0: Well, this is where I think we're at for the most part. <laughs> most churches are attractional, yeah they're weekend productions, expecting hoping people will come or not leave and then, on the other hand, uh, you have. Well-meaning pastors uh, who are you know outsourcing compassion to some great nonprofits, both both national and local mm. as a result, our people sitting in the pews, wonderful people uh, have not developed their compassion muscle mm. and they're expecting people to come without really you know going out into their their neighborhoods yeah and I got to tell you something that just happened to me. Yeah. Uh my wife and I just moved into this house and along with the other neighbors, it's a new development. And and Brian, I gotta admit I was standing there at our island and it was such a rough day. And I know as a pastor you've had these days too <laughs> where you just you're discouraged mm. and you just like man, you just feel like you're outgunned and and I made this statement. I and I, and I started having a pity party and I said I just feel like a failure. I just felt like Mm. a failure and there's a knock on the door and it's our new neighbors, Chinese neighbors, and they're there carrying a gift. And they said, we're so happy that you're here in the neighborhood. We look forward to getting to know you, to invite you over to dinner. And I closed that door and I wept. Oh, wow. I I mean, I was convicted that, you know, and I just said, God, You help me die to self so that your purposes can live in this neighborhood. Mm. It's not about me. It's about those people. And we should have been the first to go out to our Hindu neighbors, our Chinese neighbors. And uh, that just happened. And my neighbors are teaching me how to become a better neighbor.
1: That's awesome. That's great. You you talk in this this resource about the idea of risk-taking. How is a church that says, you know what, we want to be in the neighborhoods, we want to be Uh, showing compassion, Uh, how does that require some risk-taking out of the church?
0: One of the first churches that I ministered at on behalf of Convoy of Hope when we launched that, uh, the pastor went up to the podium, and I thought he was going to introduce me. But instead, he resigned from the church. Oh,
5: goodness. And
0: (laughs) and to make matters worse, my sermon topic or title was Never Quit, Never Give Up. (laughs) And so we started this, this whole compilation with the first chapter that we call for-profit leaders, and that's spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T, leaders. Wow. And how our pastors can take their rightful and responsible place, and I call it appendix le- leaders, on one hand they're caring for their flocks, equipping the saints, mm. but on the other hand they're taking really their seat of an influence in that community. And so we walk through step-by-step, step-by-step step on how to really convert a nonprofit leader that's circling the wagons, don't let anybody in or out, to a for-profit leader mm. that makes really makes a, a declaration that our church is going to be known for what we're doing outside the walls yeah. of our campus.
1: That's that's really powerful. I'm I'm convicted as a pastor. I'm sure there's other pastors and church leaders and people in churches listening to this who are convicted. And and with the last minute or two that we have left, if there are people uh, convicted, you know, I want this for my church, but it sounds overwhelming. Maybe give them one or two kind of first steps to kind of start this journey.
0: Yes, Jesus said, look upon the fields. And so I would encourage you to know your community before mm. you fix it. And we've got great chapters that focus on that. And then it was a matter of sending forth the workers. So prioritize, you know, what issues, uh, what brokenness you want to tackle. And that's a great thing about compassion is it's scalable. Mm. You know, you don't need to go, you know, and, and take on like maybe homelessness You know, at first, Uh, for most churches, that would be like the 50 yard dash to the 5K. But Mm. maybe you can start with foster care, hunger, you know, marriage and family, uh, grief counseling. And then as you do that, then assess what assets do you currently have in your church and then interview, get to know the nonprofit organizations, talk with government leaders Mm. and then build a strategy around that.
1: Well, that's super helpful. You're listening to Dave Donaldson. Uh, You can pick up uh, his book, his resource, City Serve, Your Guide to Church-Based Compassion, trying to help churches uh, make that difference, uh, that compassionate difference in the community that we've been called to make. Dave, uh, I really appreciate this. As a pastor, this has convicted me and gotten my mind uh, going. So I really appreciate the time you spent with us. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you, Brian.
1: Absolutely. Uh, You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Along with Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. This is the part of the show where we just dive into the interweb insanity and into the scary minds of our producer, John, <laughs> and our executive producer, Keith Conrad. They give a story, sight unseen, funny, a little disturbing. People are and, probably uh, wondering,
2: who's John? Because you always call him PJ. PJ. Yeah, yeah. PJ is John. Producer John. <laughs> like, what does PJ? I never thought would PJ stand for. People are probably really underwhelmed by our cleverness. Like, wait, PJ is Producer John? <laughs> Where do they ever what could PJ ever stand yeah, yeah, for? Right. Now, <laughs> well, welcome to the disappointment.
1: Exactly. That's the common good. Welcome your disappointment. <laughs> Daily 4 to 6. So D- disappointing audiences Monday through Friday. Yep, yep. All right. So you are going first. Read the crazy story now. <laughs>
2: That was the best introduction Uh, Georgia A college student pleads guilty to running Ponzi scheme from Fraternity House Nice I, this can't be the first time, right? No. A former University of Georgia student pleaded guilty Friday to running a Ponzi scheme that defrauded investors, including fellow students and their families, from his Athens fraternity house. There's an Athens joke in here somewhere. Uh, Syed Aram Arbab, 22, of Augusta, admitted to defrauding 117 people in a scheme that attracted about a million dollars from investors, prosecutors said. A news release said uh, Arbab spent funds on clothes, shoes, adult entertainment, and gambling trips to Vegas. The defendant engaged in a pattern of deceit to gain the trust of unwitting investors who gave them their hard-earned money for what they believed was a sound investment. From May 2018 to May of this year, Arbob sought investors for Artis Proficio Capital Management and Artis Pro- Proficio <laughs> it's not important. Among his false claims, prosecutors said Arbob said a former UGA athlete and NFL star was among his investors. Arbob pleaded to a single count of securities fraud. He is scheduled for sentencing in January.
0: I'm not even mad. That's amazing.
1: I'm a little little mad. There you go. There you go. I've always wondered, like, the Ponzi scheme, Yeah, it's going to fall at some point. Like, wouldn't you just be terrified that, like, clearly, have you seen the Fire Festival uh, documentary yet? Yeah, these people live without fear. That's interesting, because every time I've read anything about the Ponzi scheme, it's like it's going to go down. It's just a matter of when. Where does the name Ponzi come from? I don't know. First guy who did Ponzi scheme. I'm looking it up right now. Illinois. Rat eating cheese, rat eating cheese at Illinois grocery store caught on video. The village of Alsip issued a response after a rat was seen on video eating cheese at a grocery store. The video posted on YouTube Wednesday by an account called Film Mason Productions. In the description, the person said the rat uh, was seen eating Swiss cheese in the refrigerated deli meat and cheese section of the Allsip Food for Less. Uh, no matter how close I got, Ralph fearlessly ignored the camera and proved once and for all why the store is apparently named food for less on friday the village <laughs> responded on facebook and said mayor uh, john ryan dispatched a building commissioner and health inspector to the store to inspect
2: it oh rats. <laughs> yeah that sounds yeah, about right it works uh charles ponzi by the way oh chuck uh chuck ponzi <laughs> born march 3rd 1882 was an italian swindler and con artist In both the United States and Canada. There you go. Oh, Florida. Thank God. (laughs) Florida Republican wishes happy birthday to the U.S. Navy with picture of Russian battlecruiser. That's not great. Florida Republican wished the U.S. Navy a happy birthday with a picture of a Russian military ship in a social media post. Uh, Brian Mast of Florida uploaded a battlecruiser stock image with the message, Happy Birthday, U.S. Navy, and signed the picture with his name on Sunday as the Force celebrated its 244th birthday. But little did the U.S. Army veteran and Purple Heart recipient know that the ship was not part of the U.S. Navy's fleet, but the Russian battlecruiser Pyotr-Villikia, villikia Veliki uh, as first revealed by Politico journalist Dave Brown.
0: No disrespect to the USS rust here, but I'd be better off in the Merrimack.
2: Can we just say the humor that he
1: put a picture of a boat and his name's Brian Mast?
2: Oh, how
1: did I miss that? There you go. That's good. Well Arizona done. Airbnb host says his toddler found heroin left by a guest. Oh, boy. A Phoenix Airbnb host says guest trashed his studio and left behind what he believes was a packet of heroin that his one-year-old toddler nearly put in its mouth. Ran right over, and I snatched it from him. Uh, He says he had been cleaning out the studio Thursday when his little boy found the tinfoil packet lying underneath the bed. Uh, Fiore works as a firefighter, paramedic in northern Arizona, and says he had some narcotics training. Uh, Fiore immediately destroyed the suspected heroin packet by burning it in his barbecue.
2: Now, as I was saying, uh, drugs are bad, okay? (laughs) destroying in the barbecue, though? Is that a good idea?
1: Yeah, but then it says I didn't get to this part. A woman her husband and a four-year-old had been staying there for four days. Oh,
2: boy. Someone should check that four-year-old. Yeah, no kidding. All right, last but not least. Last but but not least. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Georgia. Two-bedroom Georgia home for sale for $1 by Motivated Ohio Seller. Talk about a steal. Uh, 1,050 square foot home in Hawkinsville, Georgia, owned by Butler County in Ohio, has taken an extreme cut from $8,000 to the low, low price of $1. If you look look at the photo it's not great. Nope. The dilapidated two bedroom one bath house at 235 Dooley Street, which is currently valued at $15,000 for his property, has been listed since 2015 with no interested buyers prompting the owner to make the desperate move. The string of events that led but- uh, Butler County to own a home more than 600 miles away in Hawkinsville started when an elderly woman moved to Ohio to be with her daughters.
0: When you sold me this house, you forgot to mention one little thing. You didn't tell me it was built on an Indian burial ground! <laughs> no! You did Well, that's not my recollection. Keep going. Yeah, (laughs) well.
2: There he goes.
4: All
0: right. Goodbye.
4: (laughs) He says he mentioned it five or six times.
1: (laughs) That's a classic. Always going out with Homer Simpson. Well, it's been a fun day. Uh, Hope you'll join us tomorrow on The Common Good from 4 to 6 p.m. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. This has been The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.